Gilda. I'm Steph. And you are listening to Saturday Night High, the podcast where we get stoned and talk about Saturday Night Live. Please keep in mind that this is a podcast that discusses an adult comedy show and everything that goes along with that, i.e. sex, drugs, rock and roll. Yeah, and we're potheads, so also keep that in mind before you play this on your Alexa as opposed to putting some earbuds in. Yes, and tonight we will be talking about season one, episode four, with hosts, what was her name, Candace Bergen, musical guest Esther Phillips, and this aired November 8th, 1975. I liked this episode. Yeah, definitely after the last one, my like expectations had dropped a little bit, but still, this was good. Right, right. I, I went into this one like preparing for the worst, and I was pleasantly surprised. I mean, don't get me wrong, there was still a lot that was fucking wrong with this episode, but... Yeah, I don't really think I had the strongest start that I could have had. No, it was a little... Odd. Uh, the cold open was the first appearance of Chevy Chase as Gerald Ford, and Gerald Ford was a klutz, but my god, that was a lot. Like, it was just ridiculous, like, boy humor, like, fifth grade boy, like. <laughs> yes, that's exactly it. It was, it was, his knees were, like, giving out, and he was just, like, jello behind a podium, and then he would, like, bend over at his waist and hit his head on the podium. It was, it was a lot to open the show with. yeah. So yeah, it ended with Chevy Chase predictably uh, flying over folding chairs and shouting live from New York. It's Saturday night. I like how they do it now better. <laughs> yeah, it went right into Candace Bergen as with her first little bit. And that featured John Belushi as an adorable bee. That was so cute. Oh my fucking God, that's really fucking funny because I, this was like the one time where when I saw the bees, I was like, damn, I kind of wish I wasn't seeing the bees at this moment because I was kind of like enjoying watching her speak. Like, she's so fucking beautiful. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. She it, she was and she is gorgeous. Um, but yeah, no, the bees kind of, kind of, I don't know, they messed with not the seriousness of the moment, but it, I, I agree it was a little out of place. I just thought John Belushi just like, mooning over Candace Bergen was adorable. It was. It definitely was. Like, I felt that. <laughs> Did you have any thoughts about the Ambassador Training Institute? Well, the only thing that I really thought was noteworthy was um, there was the joke where it was like a multiple choice test for, um, you know, going to this ambassador training school. And the question was, somebody says something that on American, what do you do? And option A was like, shoot them and cause international controversy. And then option number B was, um, option number B was, uh, <laughs> <laughs> was um, say that the sweet and sour chicken is nice or something like that. Yeah. I thought that was funny. <laughs> yeah, it was a sketch basically about there was a couple played by Dan Aykroyd and Lorraine Newman. They were kind of bickering over the lack of money and they were having sandwiches for dinner again. She says, uh, Lorraine Newman's character says that she does as much as she can with the money that Dan Aykroyd brings home. Maybe Dan Aykroyd needs to bring home more money. And then a 
an, an announcer just what nothing did you <laughs> i was like what is going on i was like am i saying something do i sound weird oh okay so so yeah steph just watched my partner creep into the room and like tiptoe behind the screen to get his sneakers <laughs> I, yeah, okay, so. We were just talking, like everything was normal. I was like, okay, we're just gonna ignore this, cool. <laughs> yeah, so, oh, cause my, my screen, I don't have, I have me as like a tiny little, a tiny little thing at the top. I have to change my view. There we go, now we're equal. See, now oh. if, if I had had it in that view, I would have seen it, but no, I was like a tiny little ant at the top of the screen. So, right. and I, I was also looking at my notes, so, you know. Oh, yeah. well, my notes and then your <laughs> face because I was like what is going on am I am I dying am I having a stroke do I not know <laughs> so yeah <laughs> that's just how I emote <laughs> it's uh so they're bickering over money and Lorraine Newman's character says that maybe Dan Aykroyd should bring home more money and a uh, voiceover big starts playing uh saying that you can go to the ambassador training institute and it basically points out how cushy ambassador positions are and that yeah. the, how you get one is you send three hundred thousand dollars to illegal campaign contributions in the name of the country you'd like and it's not wrong i mean that that is how people get these positions but to see it as an infomercial playing out in front of my eyes was wild it was so much. I liked that one. It was good. I li yeah, I liked it. Yeah. And then we go into a sketch about the CIA because apparently it was a government heavy episode tonight. Right. This was the one where Garrett Morris was trying to get his information. Yes. It was cute. I kind of liked it. I liked it until I was like, wait, was that entrapment? Yeah. <laughs> For real. Oh my God. I was oh. like, there's out here that i don't quite like <laughs> right right it was funny but it was a little like mm, i didn't totally like that one so garrett morris is, garrett morris comes into the cia and asks dan Aykroyd's character if he can access uh his his file the information they have on him and dan Aykroyd's like well you can doesn't mean you're going to be able to and Dan Aykroyd keeps basically asking him for information, saying, oh my God, there are so many Garrett Morrises and there's so many men that have done this. And Garrett Morris is listing off all these crimes that he's done. And Dan Aykroyd's like, no, I need you to be more specific. I need you to be more specific. So Garrett Morris keeps telling Dan Aykroyd about these crimes. And he's like, dude, I, I can't help you. This is so generic. So Garrett Morris leaves and Dan Aykroyd immediately jumps on the telephone and asks for a phone tap on this guy he wants to get someone up there to run the fingerprints on the pencil he used it was it was funny but yeah i i didn't mind it, it but it didn't i didn't mind it but it didn't leave me very with a happy feeling it was just like oh that being said i mean if you walk into the cia and admit to you know half a dozen or a dozen crimes and you you get what's coming to you so and they were pretty intense crimes it was like conspiracy to like assassinate or some shit like that yeah like, all this, those was, things. Conspiracy, this is not assassination yeah this is not shoplifting the next sketch i actually really enjoy these sketches um they are the land shark ones i don't know have you ever had you ever seen these before or no 
I'd never like seen it with my eyes, but I'd heard of the whole concept essentially. Okay. And I didn't realize that it played out just to framework. <laughs> the premise is there are a number of women sitting at home alone, reading something, listening to the radio, and someone knocks on the door and eventually convinces each of these women, uh, Gilda Radner, Lorraine Newman, uh, Jane Curtin, convinces each of them to open the door and each successive woman knows about land shark but land shark is evolving and using different tactics to get women to open the door so he can then eat them and so this plays out three times in a row and land shark is getting more and more creative as to how he gets people to answer the door and candace bergen is sitting on the couch and she hears about land shark she hears someone knock on the door the person says they're a Jehovah's Witness and she's like, uh-huh. And so, you know, the person keeps talking and they want her to open the door. And while the person was talking, she was getting a hammer, opens the door, some beh- attacks behind the door. And then Garrett Morris falls through the door. It was actually a Jehovah's Witness that Candace Bergen had just clonked over the head with a giant mallet, not Land Shark. Yeah, I was like, whoa, okay, SNL. <laughs> <laughs> so we went from Landshark to murder. Yeah, but I mean, Landshark already kind of was well, bringing up like- I mean, yeah, Landshark was, was murder. Well, yes, I mean, Landshark was murder. There were at least three murders prior to this. That was a ding-dong statement. Yeah, so Landshark, fuck, there was something. Yeah, one of the examples or one of the excuses from Landshark was, I'm really a dolphin. <laughs> She's like, oh, okay. She's like, oh, <laughs> dolphins are fine. Uh, basically we went into esther phillips yeah she sang what a difference a day makes beautiful i vibed then we had weekend update i actually kind of no wait you're skipping the um yep that i saw i saw chevy doing hamlet and i was like oh surely that's weekend update that's not weekend update go ahead introduce this i really liked this yeah this was basically it's chevy chase he's dressed up he's um, in a Shakespearean play, I believe it's Hamlet. It is Hamlet. <laughs> um, and he, he's holding the skull, you know, and he's like reading the script off of the skull as he goes along, um, which is just, you know, funny in itself, just seeing him just have to read off the skull, but then he like drops it, <laughs> like in the middle of his monologue and and he like picks up all the pieces and tries to like put them back together. And like, he's basically like improving Shakespeare, but like, it's really bad because it's Chevy Chase. <laughs> yeah. And so that carries on for a bit. And then it shifts over to Candace Bergen, who is dressed like a bee. And it was an actual commercial for a Polaroid camera and like the Polaroid picture, shake it like a Polaroid picture. That's what I'm doing right now. It looks really appropriate. Um, <laughs> The sketch ended with Candace Bergen saying to Chevy Chase, you look like a turkey and him snapping back. Well, you look like a wasp. It was like, <laughs> that landed. I liked it. Yeah. Also, the whole thing being an ad. Yeah. And I mean, SNL actually still does that sometimes in terms of product placement or sketches around certain brands. So it's not technically unheard of but they don't do straight up commercials in the middle of a show which is what this was yeah it was so weird it was a full-on ad break but like not really (laughs) 
And then there was a homophobic ass commercial. Yeah, did not particularly like that one. Uh-uh. So yeah, there's this commercial where a child is being dressed up by his mother and the child looks miserable. And the voiceover is like, do you remember your childhood when your mother would dress you up in all her fancy clothing? And it's, it doesn't feel good. It feels gross. And then it cuts to now, or not now, but, you know, present day in 1975. And there's a man sitting on a sofa getting ready to call his mother and another man sits down on the couch and it's made up it's just i don't know it's it's clear they're gay it's terrible i i i don't know how to describe it it's they're not bert and ernie you know they're just they're close (laughs) you you have to understand that they simply can't do anything more than what they did in that scene i guess that's how the country was or whatever the fuck like they're close until we know that they're gay i yeah i was like yeah they're husbands okay (laughs) so oh gosh so yeah and then he's calling his so one of the men is calling his mother long distance it was at&t's predecessor bell and there was a series of bell commercials in the 1960s it was like long distance uh the next best thing to being there but the tagline for this while this man was calling his mother was uh, long distance, the next best thing to being her. And my jaw dropped. I was like, I'm sorry, what the fuck just went across my screen? Yeah, that was fucking awful. Oh, God. Uh, Yeah, I will say kudos to them for not censoring the shows right now or like, you know, taking out things that would be problematic, although you really couldn't have anything it'd be like a six minute show so <laughs> you're like here's a highlight of completely yeah. innocent shit <laughs> but it's like damn they really just did all this stuff and like nobody really remembers no and i mean and how fucking terrible to watch that now but i mean can you imagine then and being in the closet and seeing that or seeing what people think of you or your community and hearing people in the studio laughing and uh yeah i would feel like i've been stabbed in the heart yeah yeah it's just fucking awful yeah not cool guys then we go into weekend update which (laughs) started off with chevy chase on the phone again being informed by a woman that she is late i.e pregnant and (laughs) there's a there's an abortion joke and that he'll take care of it and then he gets her name wrong as he's hanging up the phone and it was like uh, uh, i don't like that yeah i was like "Mm, this is not chubby i don't want to hear chubby chase Mm. No, and the thing is, is honestly, it might have been funny, but then when he got her name wrong, it was just like, oh God, right, you're gross. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, this was the first appearance of I'm Chevy Chase and you're not. There was a gross period joke about a woman running the Federal Reserve and wondering if the banks were going to have to shut down five to six nights a week or something of the sort. And it was like, "Mm mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a joke about Gerald Ford not wanting to, or there was a bit on Weekend Update about Gerald Ford not wanting to bail out New York City in the 70s. 
I actually kind of, I mean, I didn't like the whole Chevy Chase mocking some a woman who was talking, but I did find it quite funny because her arguments for not bailing out New York City were absolutely fucking ridiculous. Like, you can't just not, it's a part of a country. If they need help, you help them, and then they pay taxes, and then that's how that works. It, it was what it was, basically. The next thing I fully didn't get. <laughs> like, okay. I watched it, and I was still like, what did I just watch? <laughs> so... The next bit was Candace Bergen portraying Catherine Deneuve, and she was a very pretty young actress at that time in her mid-30s, I'd say. She was gorgeous, she was French, and she's talking about how hard her life is and how, you know, she goes to some hotels and they don't have the regular perfume or they don't have the nice, like, she's talking about how hard her life is. She's this movie star who's beautiful, and she dated all of these men and i say dated loosely she was she 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 enjoyed herself in the 60s and 70s as i would have as well yeah so she's complaining how hard her life is and this whole thing is being shot as if she's lying down and her head is resting on a perfume bottle and then the bit ends with candace bergen sitting up and you realize that the perfume bottle is taped to her face or stuck to her face it was Bizarre. I thought, I mean, it was obviously a parody of a perfume ad at the time, but it was weird. It was just weird. And then we went straight from that to Andy Kaufman. So I was like, oh my God, like I'm already in a weird headspace, but let's, let's see it. Yeah. It was like an OG Borat type thing. It felt (laughs) vaguely racist. Yeah. I thought it was going somewhere. It was like, oh, okay, he's going to tell jokes in a vaguely racist tone. Like, this isn't cool, but this is at least better than last week. And then it got weird. It was so weird. And I just don't know why that was considered comedy. Like, I'm not really sure what that was, but that wasn't really funny, like, at all. No. Dare I say? No, it really wasn't. And, I mean, I am kind of stoned out of my gourd when I'm watching this and like it still isn't funny so I I don't know man I yeah he did have an impression of Archie Bunker on All in the Family which if you recall that was the show Rob Reiner starred on Andy Kaufman as this vaguely racist character does an impression of Archie Bunker which really is pretty much what the character boils down to in terms of I'm a racist, everything is terrible, I hate everybody, get out of my chair, calling his wife a dingbat and his son-in-law a meathead, you know. God. Yep. My father frickin' loves that show. I... Yep. So the next part I really liked. Oh yeah. That was weird, but I liked it. (laughs) It was just like Candace Bergen and Gilda Radner sitting on a box or an amp or something and they were just chatting and Candace Bergen was talking about uh she was talking about the equal rights amendment did she say the word feminist I don't know whether or not she said it it was definitely a Um, feminist speech though because like for that to air on tv in 1975 it was like oh dear god she's lucky they didn't call her a witch and try to burn her at the stake yeah, I guess so, especially considering that they were talking about the ERA. I was like, holy shit, this is like 1975, 1975. Okay, like. Yeah. 
it was like it, they had until 82 to ratify, but New York had already ratified it in 72. So I don't know what they were talking about in terms of that, but something bad had happened with the ERA in the week prior. <laughs> and yeah, I, I just thought it was, I thought Candace Bergen, she was talking about um, how, oh God, I should have taken more notes. This was one of those things I thought, oh my God, I love this so much. I don't have to take notes on it. And now I, now I'm regretting that decision. Yeah. <laughs> She was just talking about like um, being true to yourself and that, you know, being feminine and masculine, it's not really a thing. And Gilda Radner talked about, you know, when she was younger, she was on a date, she had this, you know, preconceived notion about who had to open doors. And it was just kind of be yourself, be who you are, do what you want, as long as you're not hurting anyone. Yeah. And I also talked about like Bob image and like self-esteem yes yes they talked about yeah so after just nice to see them talk about that yeah again yeah for 1975 this was kind of wild yeah so the albert brooks film of the week was um concepts for replacement shows on nbc should they ever need a show to replace a current show Oh, and they were all obviously not shows for a reason. <laughs> the first one was like a, it was like a hospital type deal. Like a, I got general hospital, but like the worst hospital different. ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. There was this line where he was like, um, they were wheeling a man into surgery and the doctor was like, I don't know if this is even necessary. Like, does he really need surgery? And they're like, he's already paid. We need the money. <laughs> yeah, it was, there was malpractice everywhere. It was like, a, it was like a mock reality show slash soap opera, which is basically the same thing. But it was, it, it was funnier than last week's. It, I laughed at this one. Yeah. Like, this Albert Brooks film, this one hit. Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, the next one was um, <laughs> it was I forgot what it was called. It was the Three's a Crowd? I don't know. I don't know what the yeah. fuck it was called. Uh, it was called the Three of Us. <laughs> the Three of Us. <laughs> um, yeah, basically like two female best friends living with one of the girls' husbands, and basically they're all really close. They hang out all the time, and the husband really, really, really wants a threesome, and that's that's the whole show. And the tagline was everybody's fantasy now becomes a situation comedy (laughs) yeah i i thought that one was funny i didn't really have any complaints other than him bitching about cooking shut up and make the eggs yeah although i thought i mean i i guess it was like it was kind of funny i thought that uh, like fuck you you're gonna cook for us while we hang out (laughs) yeah yes exactly why do i have to make an odd number of eggs because we want an odd number of eggs cookie dough after please oh my god yeah (laughs) the third sketch was just kind of again it like casually mocked racism it was about a black veteran who was also a veterinarian it was called black vet and there was a white man who took his dog into this veterinarian's office and said well I have no problem with you operating on my dog, but he doesn't want you to. He's a racist. And it's like, um, okay. There were other problematic things in the, the veterinarian 
was confronted by his girlfriend or wife and she said, oh, you said my name the other night. Then you said, uh, I would never race again, but I something, something. And you realize that he's talking, he was having a dream about his horse and like had his wife's name. It was maybe some weird horsey sex stuff. I don't know. Uh, it was just odd. Was that was, the, it was the only one of the three proposed NBC shows, quote unquote, that didn't really work. But the other two I thought were fucking funny. Yeah, no, I loved the other two, but then this one just didn't hit at all. Oh, and one of the other suggestions was Death of a Salesman, but performed entirely by children. <laughs> I fucking loved that. <laughs> so yeah, the next sketch was uh, entitled Midnight Probe, and when I saw that that was the name of the show, I was like, oh god, oh no, where is this going? But the premise is Candace Bergen is an interviewer, she's interviewing Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi as Kiwi Trappers. And it felt kind of like a current sketch to me. Like it felt like something that I might see on a recent Saturday Night Live, or at least it kind of had the feel of it. It was the most sketchy thing that we've seen so far. Um, See what you're saying. Yeah. And so Candace Bergen asks Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi to demonstrate their kiwi trapping skills, at which point they take out a giant brown cloth sack and trap Candace Bergen and carry her around the set, which was a little weird. Kind of funny, though, because they set her down on the desk and they're like, gotcha, 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 like try it tickling. But then again, it was like she's covered in a brown sack. So is it OK? I don't know, but it made me laugh. So it was it was kind of weird. It went on for rather long, and I didn't realize, like, it went on for so long, and I was like, is this the end? Like, I couldn't tell if it was the end of the sketch or not, and I'm pretty sure the actors also were like, is this the fucking end? Like, (laughs) (laughs) I feel like it was supposed to cut, like, 10 seconds prior to where it did, because they were, you could tell they were on the verge of breaking. Yeah, it was just, it was getting whack. (laughs) Yeah, the next, the next sketch I really didn't like. Yeah. Oh my God. Especially after the thoughts I was having from the previous one. Like, yeah. And hmm. this was Michael O'Donoghue. He, this was his last show as a cast member. After this, he only wrote for the show. And I'm okay with that because he seems a little bit fucked up. I mean, he still wrote for the show, but at least we don't have sketches like this one where... He's on a payphone and he calls Lorraine Newman, who is an airline. I think it was like Transamerican Airlines or something. She answers the phone. Um, yeah. And he harasses her and threatens her. And she then thanks him for calling the airlines and hangs up. Yeah, it was nasty. I did kind of laugh at it, though, because I was like, yeah, that is how working a service <laughs> job is sometimes. Yes, <laughs> I did relate to it in that I've picked up a phone before and I've heard things on the other end of the phone line that I don't want to hear. But <laughs> yeah, I experienced that in my daily, well, not my daily life, but I experience <laughs> it semi-regularly and I would rather not watch it on TV. Thanks. Yeah, not really funny. No. <laughs> and the next thing that happened was the land of gorge it, it was like it started out it was i don't know their names it was the main big guy and his, his side girl the girl from the band um oh i guess it's gorge i guess it was gorge and his girl from the band um he was looking at his fingers at one point i didn't like that um <laughs> they're also talking about having like sex and i didn't like that because they're muppets and they, they, they can't um 
they're puppets. <laughs> he's cheating. His wife yeah. walks in. He's like, oh, let's not talk about that weekend. It's like, <laughs> God. Yeah. And parts of it, I felt like, like, are just getting a little bit old. Like, okay, we've seen the same thing like four times now. Like, I need some more Muppet. I don't know. See, I feel the opposite <laughs> way. I feel like I need some less Muppets. So. I mean, it's yeah, either just, all or nothing for me, I guess. I guess. I, yeah, I just, what would, nothing happened. There was no point to it. It's like, yeah. cool. Daddy Muppet's cheating and they're hunting extinct creatures. Yeah, it wasn't as good as last week's <laughs> about the weed. Which was maybe the only good part of last week's episode. Holy shit. Well, there you go. Yeah. All right. So I, I guess we have found a silver lining. However, a week later. Oops. Um, <laughs> it takes a week to recover. <laughs> so the next sketch also was really racist. Yep. Uh, Candace Bergen was dining with uh, royalty. It's never stated who or where. And it's just kind of seen as a generic Middle Eastern country. And Candace Bergen proceeds to call uh, John Belushi a number of slurs. And I actually don't feel comfortable saying them. I mean, it was just bad. It, yeah, it was, was bad. Just like one bad thing after the next. Yeah, she just kept calling him insulting things. And she cut his tie off. The point of the interview was to humiliate him. And it got to the point where she humiliated him so much. He was so worked up. He ordered her to be executed. And she's like, see, these tyrants just want to execute Middle people. East. Yeah. It was Middle East phobic. It was disgusting. I honestly yeah. was disappointed in her for participating in that because that just, it, there's, how is that seen yeah. as okay? No. Like her character was really just abusing this guy. It, yeah. Like, yeah, so then we go straight from that to the Black perspective with Garrett Morris. And um, at least in this sketch, it's like we're supposed to be like not laughing at the racism. I don't even know. <laughs> I mean, the point of it was that Jane Curtin was an expert. She was on this show or on this segment as an expert on Black culture. And she had written this book. And she's the whitest little white bread of girls. And she is talking and so garrett morris is asking her questions and oh so you moved from the south to where tell tell me about your experience as a black woman and now she identifies and she's like well i grew up in new york city and he's like oh okay you grew up in harlem and she's like oh no no i was midtown and not far from where we are now actually which is like the heart of it's like it's right she's like madison you, 63rd. yeah um so <laughs> Yeah, and so, I mean, we were supposed to be laughing at the fact that she was claiming to be an expert on Black culture when clearly she is not. She was not the woman on the back of the book. <laughs> She's like, and so it was like, wait, it's like, is this plagiarism or is this just, is this bad marketing? I didn't really get the point. Yeah. Other than. I mean, I took it as like, you know how like sometimes people say that the Simpsons will like predict things. I think they predicted Rachel Dolezal. Oh, that actually. Because I feel like that's what she was doing. She, she was trying, yeah. Yeah, no, she like was. She catfished with that picture. Yeah. And, and then got money. Yeah. It was easier to catfish before the internet. Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, pretty fucked. Yeah. 
So the bit after that was an Al Franken, Tom Davis bit where it was just a video of, uh, of two guys playing the game Pong, which is pretty much soccer with slidey balls. It was like the first video game back in the 70s, 80s. Um, but they're talking about how uh, one of them is going to, he's bringing his girlfriend home for Thanksgiving and she's going to meet his parents. And the other guy's like, oh, it's no big deal. You just got to stand up for yourself. You know, where's, where's Candace going to, Candace, where's Carol? She going to sleep. He's like, oh, I don't know, probably the guest room. He's like, oh man, just, you know, stand up to your parents, yada, yada, yada. And the, the guy that's losing, so as this is going on, the Pong score is, uh, growing wider and wider and the person on the left side of the screen who's you know giving advice and is super confident he's he just keeps scoring goals keeps scoring goals keeps scoring goals and it gets to the end of the sketch where the guy who's bringing his girlfriend home for thanksgiving says hey man how do you how do you know all this this is like you you must have done this before right he's like yeah last thanksgiving when i introduced carol to my parents and it ends with that guy winning Pong. No, when she stayed over last Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, we had another <laughs> Esther Phillips performance. I Can Stand a Little Rain, which this song really reminded me of Tina Turner. Yeah. Um, yeah, so there was a scene card. <laughs> All the time, yeah. And it was a male hand choking Candace Bergen. What the fuck? Wait, what? I guess I wasn't really watching that closely. What? Okay, yeah. So the transitional cards, like, you know how they have, like, the... Uh, when you come back from commercial on Saturday Night Live, they have, right, like, a card. Yeah. yeah, so it was one of those. And it was Candace Bergen, and there was, like, a disembodied hand. Like, it was, like, you couldn't see whose hand it was, but you could see the arm and the hand, and it was just around her neck. I missed that, like, fully. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was fucked. So... And yeah, the credits, the first time, it was the first time the cast joined the host for goodnights and they all gave Candace Bergen roses, which I thought was sweet. Yeah, that was cute. <laughs> I liked that. And I liked how the host was like in a lot more sketches. Yes, I, I really liked that. It was much more of a traditional, and I say that with air quotes, show in that the host participated. And I feel like the not ready for primetime players, they got a lot more camera time tonight, a lot more. And yeah. it feels like they're figuring stuff out in this show. They looked not maybe comfortable or not relaxed, but at least more comfortable. Yeah. Like they were having fun. They didn't look scared shitless for the first time in three shows. They had some confidence. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, what was your favorite sketch? Shit, okay. I think my favorite sketch well, I guess I'll go with the first two NBC replacement shows. I liked those a lot. I thought they were really funny and great. Nice. I think I would have yeah. to go with Landshark for this one. That's my favorite. <laughs> yeah, that was like my second favorite. <laughs> my least favorite... God, it's probably a tie between... The homophobic commercial or Michael O'Donoghue on a payphone harassing Lorraine Newman. Yeah, a lot of great contenders for this one. Um, I also had that phone call, but my my other one was the um, Candace Bergen interviewing the vague Middle Eastern country king. 
Yeah, that was just gross from beginning to end. Yeah. No, thank you. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts and we would absolutely love it if you could rate, review, like, subscribe, do the stuff, hit the buttons. It helps us and yeah. Our website is satnighthighpod.com. Our at is at satnighthighpod, night spelled N-I-T-E on Twitter. We're also on Reddit, Instagram, and Facebook. Our email is satnighthighpod at gmail.com. Please email us because we just are really always bored and ready to talk um, and ready to read your emails out loud if they're fun. I would love um, to hear some fun stories of you getting high, stories of you, I don't know, Halloween stories, please. All yes. I think about is Halloween. I just figured out I'm going to be for Halloween and I'm so excited about it. Tell me I'm going to be for Halloween. Oh my God, please. Yes. Tell, me. Tell us what you're going to be. Tell us your best Halloween weed, not weed, whatever. Just if it's funny, send it in. Yeah. Halloween. So, Halloween. <gasps> Hashtag Halloween. Halloween. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So that's it for me. I'm Gilda. And I'm Steph. And happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. <laughs> <laughs>